This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 64 of Press Pass. I am Kayla Anderson with my co-host Joshua Perry. And this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and Untucket. So Joshua, I wanted to start off by saying, did you watch any of the XFL games this weekend? You know, I, I had intended to. Uh, that was one <laughs> of my objectives for the weekend. And then, you know, life kind of happened. So I really didn't get to yeah. watch any. I caught a ton of... Uh, the Twitter analysis and some of the yeah. aftermath, and they talked about it on sports radio. And I guess the first weekend was a pretty big hit, which is no surprise. People are missing football, and uh, you know, Cardale Jones, I feel like, had a lot to do with that. But also, uh, some of the live reaction on field from the coaches and the players, uh, some of the different rules that the NFL mm-hmm. doesn't have that people kind of wanted, I guess, were a hit. So uh, I'll definitely be tuning into some XFL games this season. Yeah, I I find it interesting. Obviously, there is a lot of money that goes into this league more so than some of the other ones. And I think one of the biggest things is how they present it, right? And they put a lot of money into getting people who we know who do broadcasts for the NFL um, on Fox and ESPN. So they're paying some of these big time broadcasters to do these XFL games and the presentation of it. Um, I think is a little bit more appealing. So it should be interesting to see if that lasts. Yeah, and and they have to do it like that. I think they have to have, first off, the recognition of the player. So, for example, having a guy like Cardell Jones is a huge hit uh, because people know who he is. He won a national championship. You know, he was kind of the wonder kid there for a little while. You know, having some of these names like Aaron Murray, for example, who people are familiar with, maybe haven't seen him in a while. Um, you need to have that because nobody truly wants to watch bad football, but you're absolutely right in terms of uh, the broadcast product. The TV product has to be great because that's what's going to uh, help this league survive. Um, you know, the stadiums are smaller. So in terms of the league revenue from ticket sales, they're not going to be dependent upon that. They're going to be dependent upon how many people like me and you are going to be sitting at home tuning in, 
Um, and if, if they can create a product that is easily consumable and that people like from a TV format, then they're going to be successful. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And it is, it's nice because there is technically the off season right now and college football uh, is taking a little break, not in terms of really that these players or the players that are preparing for the next level are getting a break, but we're not <clears throat> watching college football, but that's why we're, we're here. We're here to provide you with college football year round. And I wanted to get into the 2020 uh, recruiting winners. And we're talking about teams and their recruiting classes this past week. Uh, I am taking some of the stuff from 24-7 sports in terms of their rankings. So I'm going to go through the top 10 rankings for this 2020 um, class. So at the top is Alabama. uh, No surprise there. Followed by Georgia, Clemson at number three, LSU at the four spot, Ohio State rounding out the top five, uh, Texas A&M at the sixth spot, followed by Auburn, Florida, Texas and sneaky Tennessee popping into the top 10. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, uh, are you surprised, and I'm probably guessing you are, with any of these programs having top 10 recruiting classes? A&M stands out just because they're not necessarily an elite program, but uh, Jimbo's been known to be a good recruiter. Uh, Texas A&M, not to, to, you know, disparage what they've done in recruiting, but you know, they might they might be playing a little bit of a different game, but also you're recruiting in Texas. And to be quite honest, like I'm surprised that Texas A&M had a better recruiting class than University of Texas, yeah. even though UT is a team that I like to crap on on this podcast. <laughs> um, you know, they should be the team in the state sure. of Texas. But a lot of the kids that they're recruiting that they would typically get are now going to A&M or they're going to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. But you can definitely see the shift that recruiting has taken where a lot of the, the the schools that are represented here are here because they have the best talent in America yeah. in those regions. And it is literally shifted toward the South. That's where the best players yep. come from typically. And it's no surprise that it's reflected in how these teams are able to recruit. I mean, seven of these teams in the top 10 are FCC teams. And we talk about this all the time because we are not from the SEC. You're from the Big Ten. I'm from the Pac-12. Um, so I think we always are a little bit like hard on the SEC. And you know what? I don't I don't care. I've covered the SEC for a long time and I'm going to be hard on them no matter what. And But when it comes down to it, they're getting the players, you know, and they're, yes. they're getting the coaches down there to get the players and they're winning. And so unfortunately, you know, I'm looking down this list and I'm seeing no Pac-12 teams. And I'm seeing no teams from California. Um, These are things that used to be a given in the top 10. And I was, you know, shocked when I was looking down the list. I'm looking for Washington State. I just want to see where they end up. And I see USC one spot above Washington State at 55. Their 2020 class for Clay Hilton ranked 55th in the country. To me, that is unbelievably unexcusable. Yeah, that's a fireable offense in my in my opinion, and uh, I don't I don't know what USC truly expected to happen um, when they retained Clay mm-hmm. Helton because it, I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be able to do much better than no. that. Um, that's who he has been, um, and I'm I'm thinking from my perspective in the Big Ten, uh, it's it's clearly the second best conference, and that's reflected in the recruiting rankings as well. The SEC has a stronghold on it. Part of it, like I said, is geography, 
And I'll go out on a limb and say, even though that they've got the best recruits and the best teams, I don't know if they develop talent as well as the Big Ten does. But when you start off with better talent, that doesn't matter. But for perspective, like Michigan State is a team that we're going to talk about later in this show. They had a very bad recruiting class. They They were 10th in the Big Ten. I think they were like 40th in America, 10th in the Big Ten, 40th in America. But that was still better than USC. (laughs) And so you have to really ask the question there, because when you look at Michigan State right now, as we'll get to, they they can't hire anybody. And part of it is campus culture. The other part of it is they had a class that had zero, four or five star players. That is egregious. And now you're looking at USC, like you said, California should be the king of the West Coast. You have one of the biggest and best states to recruit, and you can't get the players. That's awful. It's really bad. And and you know what? Oregon State had a better class than USC. Are you freaking kidding me? It's not good. It's It's not good. It's not good at all. And um, we're going to have to start figuring things. No, should never happen. And and that's why I said it's inexcusable. And, And they better start figuring stuff out there. And I'm not just talking about USC, but that's where it starts because that is the premier program in the Pac-12. Figure it out, Pac-12. Figure it out because I'm sick of talking about it. All right. Anyway. Um, I'm sick of talking I'm sick about of talking it. about it. That's my rant for the day. I did want to mention before, before we get into Michigan State um, and the topic there, I actually, and I actually think Tennessee fans were a little surprised that Tennessee was a top 10 class. Um, I talked to Jeremy Pruitt uh, a couple days after signing day, and he, you know, he has he has done a really good job of quietly kind of building this program, considering the fact that they had a hellacious start with falling to Georgia State, losing to uh, I think it was BYU this year, and then turning around, winning six in a row, and beating Indiana in the bowl game. They've really started to turn things around, and I was looking down the list of some of the guys that they got, um, and they got they had two guys flip from Florida State and Florida last minute on signing day. Um, this program is quietly on the rise, Joshua. What do you attribute that to? Because I, I'm always very curious of teams that you know, and, and and like you said, they they definitely finished off last year the right way. But I'm always curious about how teams who are mm-hmm. average can all of a sudden after an average year parlay that into a top 10 recruiting? You know, I, that's a good question. That I mean, that's a valid question because part of me wants to say that, you know, having having a guy like Jeremy Pruitt, who's not very charismatic, let's just be honest. Um, I've interviewed him several times. But at the same time, he's a football guy. And I think his players – believe in him and I say that only because of what they did this season in terms of turning it around because if they didn't believe in him as a head coach nothing would have been turned around and that season would have gone to disaster right so it makes me believe that they do believe in their head coach he's a football guy he does care about his players I kind of like was watching him off camera um, mingle with some of these parents and talk with some of these parents and I could see that different side of him at this event that I went to, but at the other end of it, you know, you have to ask the question, a top 10 class is huge. And you look at some of these other classes, these other programs that they skyrocketed up against, and it is a little bit like, okay, well, how did that happen? So I think that's a valid question to ask. Yeah. And 
Yeah, and, and it's always and recruiting is a very inexact science. I think it's uh, it's one of the biggest mysteries to me in college football is you know what really goes into this recruiting thing, what really makes it go, you know, like what makes a team like Tennessee successful, what makes a team like Texas struggle against Texas A and M in recruiting, you know, how is Clemson, yep. a small town of fifteen thousand people, um, as highly capitalized as they are. Um, recruiting the way that they can, like, and I'm again, wins matter. But you know, if you're Clemson, and you're recruiting against Ohio State. Yeah, you got a couple of national championships at Clemson. Ohio State's national championship wasn't that long ago. Um, Clemson's weather's probably better, but Ohio State's definitely got a better campus. Yeah. Columbus, a better place to live. Like all of those things, truly, are questions. And and if you're Dabo, you got to figure out a way to sell that outside of just wins yep. and losses. Um, if you're Tennessee, you have to sell a belief because you don't necessarily have the proof yet. Um, like all those no, things really me too. interesting. And that's why we should do an episode. Kayla and Joshua undercover in the college football world of recruiting. What goes Love into it. it? How much money is is dealt out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice yes. ring to it there. Uh, well, college football season is over, you guys. But there is still plenty of games you can bet on. You know what? Here's the thing. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win. You can win big no matter what time of the year. With March Madness coming up, the Masters and Major League uh, Baseball opening day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all the latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet on Super Bowl 2021. Uh, head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up, it's easy, and uh, you're already making wagers. It's a fantastic way to support this podcast, Press Pass. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is a topic that we wanted to bring up because it really has been one of the headlines this past week when it comes to college football. And I know something that uh, touches close home for you there in the Big Ten, Joshua. And let's just say this is uh, this is titled Michigan State Madness. That's what I titled it because that's what I feel like it is yeah. right now. Mark D'Antonio, he parts ways with the Spart- the Spartans this past week. Uh, he says he wants to spend more time with his family. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Let's start yeah, okay. with that, with just them parting ways. Uh, spend more time with his family. <laughs> and I, I don't doubt that's what he wants to do. I'll, I'll preface it by saying this, because some of the things I'm going to say is going to sound like I don't like Coach D, but I am a huge fan of his. I have more respect for him than I have for the majority of coaches in this profession. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you why is – um, they were class 100% of the way when I was a recruit in high school. Um, they tried everything they could to, to get me on campus multiple times and make sure I had a great experience there. Um, and I was, I was very appreciative of them because they were one of the first, uh, major schools to reach out to me. Yeah. Coach D'Antonio had a lot of success against my team. When I was in college, we won 50 games. We only lost four. Two of our four losses came to Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. Um, so he's a hell of a coach. He, he is so good, but they have some looming litigation issues, uh, that probably factored into that decision. 
And when you read through some of the details of the lawsuit, there's just a lot going on now. Uh, Whether some of the accusations are true and they hold water or whether it's just accusations, who knows, but they're damning nonetheless. And then when you evaluate his last few years at the helm at Michigan State, they had a 10-win season in there, but they also had a three-win season, then a couple of Mm seven-win seasons. I went through and I evaluated the job that he did. And he is their winningest coach. He is one of their most decorated coaches. He has a Rose Bowl victory. He made a college football playoff. There are only two Big Ten teams that have made a college football playoff, just to put that in perspective. He won two-thirds of his games. He averaged a little bit under nine wins a year. When you take out the last four seasons there, he averaged nine and a half wins a year. When you factor in the last four seasons, he did a seven-win job. And I think it's hard to accept a job in the Big Ten East when their winningest head coach wins two-thirds of their games and their average season is eight to nine wins. Because you've got Penn State, you got Ohio State, you got Michigan, and it's going to be hard to make a big bowl game and to make noise in the Big Ten East if all you're going to do is win nine yeah. games. I mean, that's 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 fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, I'll say this too. It's it's not necessarily appealing going to East Lansing. I, I was going to ask reasons, you about but, that because I've I didn't ever yeah. cover a game there when I was at Ohio State covering Ohio State. And so I was going to ask you before we get into all the other stuff. I mean, what is it like up there in East Lansing? It doesn't, when I say East Lansing, not to be rude, but that just sounds like not great to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a college town. It, it's, it is what it is. Um, it's a lot like Columbus in terms of weather. It's gray. It's, it's yucky yeah. in the winter this time of year. Um, there's just way less to do than, you know, like a, a major city. And then I think the the most unappealing part of it is even when Michigan State was making Rose Bowls, even when they were headed to the college football playoff, they got less coverage than the University of yeah. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. The University of Michigan is the flagship program in the yep. state of Michigan, regardless yep. of what their record is, regardless of if they lose to Michigan State in that year. Yep. It doesn't matter. And I think that is a really, really hard place to be in. Because it's already, like I said, it's already hard enough to recruit there against some of the teams that you directly have to recruit against in your division. But then when you talk about how people are going to to cover your team and you're always getting the scraps, you're the leftover guy, that's a, a, a tough yeah, pill to no, swallow. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. It's it's I'm not gonna compare Washington State and Washington to it, because there's a lot of state schools. Because I think Washington State can sometimes take the headlines over Washington during certain seasons. But I will say it's hard to, to sometimes be that state school and um kind of get more attention, right? Than 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 the bigger school. Mm-hmm. Um and I do feel like with what I've seen with Michigan State, the years that I did cover the Big Ten, um, that was always the case. I mean, no matter what, they're talking about Michigan, right? Even if Michigan sucks, absolutely, uh, they're still getting the headlines. Yes. So, well, here's the big thing. Yes. I mean, they need someone to fill the position now. I mean, they need a head coach, right? We've got, I mean, you just had your recruiting class, which you said that they did not do well in terms of recruiting. Um, you you got to start getting into thoughts of spring ball. Um, I mean, there's really no downtime anymore when it comes to college football. And we'll talk about that in just a bit, but 
the biggest headline that that came this week after the um, the parting of Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State was that Luke Fickle, a former coach, uh, assistant coach at Ohio State, and a coach of yours, Luke Fickle turns down the job. He's staying at Cincinnati. This is clearly Big Ten, you know, is clearly a bigger job at Michigan State, probably more money. Um, he, he turns down the job, and a lot of it he says, um, or what it alludes to in these articles, is because of that campus culture. Yeah, and I'll say that they, they've had some major culture issues. I think, first off, um, it starts top down. I don't I don't think their athletic department is um, very competent on some matters and certain issues. Right. They had the Larry Nasser issue, which I'm not going to get into the details of, but, um, you know, that's it's definitely a black eye. And then, you know, they've, they've had some domestic violence, sexual assault issues among their football student athletes. And um, that's never anything you want to deal with. Like, I, I think that is those are two of the most egregious offenses that a human could could inflict upon another human being. Yeah, no. And, and sorry, so, I'm, I'm walking out to grab my charger. So if it got a little loud, that's why. No, go on. Go. But um, yeah, I, I think that is uh, truly an issue there. And then in, in knowing Luke Fickle. Um, yeah, he wasn't just going to jump out of job. And I, I, his, his brother lives down the street from my mom and dad. And I, I talked to, oh, really? um, yeah, his, his brother and his brother's wife. And I was like, you know, what do you think Luke will do? And then they were like, you know, I'd be really surprised, you know, they, and they acknowledge it's a good job, but you know, he's got six children and uh, it'll take a lot for him to wow. uproot his life. And I talked to their strength coach who, is an Olentangy High School grad, which is where I went, and he coached at Ohio yep. State. And he kind of gave me the same thing. He's like, you know, I think Luke is really thinking about it, but if I know him the way I believe I know him, I'm not exactly sure he'll jump at it. And we talked to former linebackers who played for him at Ohio State, except for Bobby Carpenter. Everybody said the same thing. You know, Bobby was like, well, if they offer him five a year, then he's going to have to take that. I'm like, he doesn't have to do a damn thing. And no. Uh, the rumor number was five a year. And so I think that shows you how much of a question mark that yep. job is. If you're yep. making two and a half a year at your current job and somebody is going to double your salary and put you on a bigger stage yep. to do the same thing that you were doing somewhere else and you say, no, nah, I'm good, then there are some real issues. And I want to just go down this list real quick. So Luke Fickle turned it down. Um, the yep. rumor was five years, 25 million. Mel Tucker turned it down. Robert mm -hmm. Sala said he didn't want to interview for it. Matt Campbell said no. And Pat Narduzzi did not interview yeah. for that job. What the hell? There's got to be something, right? It, there's something going on there. Yeah. No, you're – and I I also read an article. Let me see if I can bring it up because I was searching – I was looking at some stuff last night about Michigan State, and this is the article that popped up. And when I saw these words, I was like, something is not right. It was like something along the lines of, are we entering the dark ages of Michigan State football? I think that's I mean, what it was. It might be. I mean, well, you have to wonder, right? When you just listed yeah. those names. And, 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 so and, and let's be honest, those aren't even, those aren't even like the biggest, you know, like those are, those are names where you would think those are coaches that would want to elevate their, your, their coaching career at the next level. Correct. That is exactly the thing about that list. It's like they're not they're not trying to, you know, lure away an established elite coach at a huge program. They're trying to get guys who are their names, but 
you know, they still have some rungs on the ladder to climb to go yeah. there. And they're all like, no. What what it's basically saying is that the job that I have at the current salary I'm making is better than the job you're offering me is what they're mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. And so when you contextualize that (laughs) saying two and a half million at Cincinnati is a better job than 5 million to go to Michigan state. That's wild. And I was talking to a reporter who covers Michigan and Michigan state. And Mm -hmm. I asked her, I'm like, I'm like, uh, how bad of a job is Michigan state? Everyone's turning it down. Mm -hmm. You know, rumored Fick was offered 5 million a year. And he still said, since he was a better job, she said, Joshua, most here would describe it as a dumpster fire. An AD who is clueless from all accounts, a ton of players in the portal, and looming possibility of Oof. violations. Oof. That I mean, that says it all. No, yeah. thank you. I will pass, and I'll wait for a, another job to come up in a, in a year or so uh, that I won't have to deal with That's all that ish, right? That's a lot, a to, lot deal to deal with. And you know what? It, it kind of like I kind of smile at that, and in, in not not in the way that I'm like, you know, I, I don't wish any ill upon programs but I kind of smile at that because you know what sometimes sometimes you can't just pay people to just ignore the real reality of life and and that goes in that and yes. that goes for any part of uh, like any jobs right and and sometimes it's like people don't want to deal with all that extra crap uh, just because it's a name and well I'll, I'll tell you what will probably happen because I, I think what you're hitting on is yeah. salient. The The fact that they're ignoring a lot of things. I, I think they ignored all year how bad Mark D'Antonio was and how bad their mm-hmm. team really was. And they ignored the recruiting rankings and they didn't mutually part ways at the end of the year, which I thought was the natural yeah. course of action. Um, and now we're sitting here in February and Mark D'Antonio is finally like, yeah. all right, it's time to go. And now they're in a tailspin because they finished with a terrible recruiting class. Uh, they've got, like I said, NCAA sanctions that may be coming down depending on what comes out of this lawsuit and the investigations, all that kind of stuff. And a clueless, apparently a clueless AD, like the board of trustees at this point, you have to fire the AD as well in my, in my estimation and yeah. start from scratch because there are a lot of things, like you said, that they just blatantly yep. ignored. And now you're sitting here with a yeah. mess on your hands. I mean, this is going to be something that uh, clearly we'll, we'll be pl- paying close attention to here in the next few weeks to see uh, if they hire a coach, what happens? Is there is there other stuff that comes out? And you can uh, rely on us, you know, to, to cover that. Because if anything, uh, we always got the, the side headlines that uh, – you guys don't always usually get the in-depth analysis on during the off season. Um, okay, so you're you're about the 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 good clothes, right? The nice clothes. I and I don't usually. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't see you necessarily in a button down. Like I feel like you're more of like a suit guy whenever I see you, or you're just like cash. Like I put you in. I yeah. I put you in like either category. Um, that's kind of like me too, sure. though. If if I'm not dressed up at work. I'm I'm seriously in my workout clothes, Joshua, with my with my hair in a bun, and um, right. I'm just like that. I'm not worried about nothing doing the the makeup thing every day. But you know what? For guys who want that middle kind of look, you don't want to be dressed up all the way, or don't want to be wearing your sweats. Uh, have you ever seen an untuck button down? They look bad. Why? Well, because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there is Untuck It, the original button down shirt, button down shirt, actually designed to be 
worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall in that perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check it out at one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, soft uh, flannels, outerwear, and more. With untucked shirts, you're never going to look like you're wearing something too baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is really easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for a gift or just trying to find a relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com. Use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That is untuckit.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Our final segment we're going to get to, and we uh, said that we were going to bring this up in our last one, so we gave you kind of a tease and a preview here. We wanted we we talked about preparing for the draft, preparing um, for the combine and, and pro days for those guys that are moving on. But then there's those guys that are coming back, and you were one of those guys in college. And the off season, while it's technically an off season, Joshua, really football is year round now for these college uh, programs, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> The preparation truly never stops. And, and so this is how it typically go is during the season, you, you still lift and you still work out. Uh, at Ohio State, mm-hmm. we used to try to get two, at least two lifts in a week during the season. Once okay. the season ends, uh, you have the bowl season, 15 practices. You're in the weight room a lot of that time. Uh, for young players who aren't playing in the bowl game, mm-hmm. you're working on building strength and mass. You're, you're training like it's the offseason almost. For guys who are playing in the game, it's it's typically like your in-season lifts, just you know making sure that you're staying strong, maintaining injury prevention, all of that. Once the bowl is over, uh, guys will get some time off. Um, typically, your first week back on campus, you get uh, what's called a discretionary period. Uh, and during that okay. period – uh, workouts are prescribed, but they're not necessarily monitored, nor are they mandatory. Okay. Now, okay, we all know how this not mandatory yeah. thing goes. Like your ass better yeah. be pulling up at workouts, but <laughs> they're they're not mandatory. And the tempo and the pace and the length of the workout is not necessarily strenuous. It, it, a lot of times, it's trying to get guys back into the groove of things. Um, you'll do sure. that for a week. And then the true off-season program starts. And the way that we did it at Ohio State was we went in phases. So, um, you know, the first phase was trying to get your base back under you. Um, You're trying to get strong again from the football season. Um, The second phase uh, is we're pushing it even harder. We're probably doing more drills out on the field. Not necessarily running sprints, but doing drills. So we did a ton of agility drills. Uh, We wanted to keep our foot speed up. Uh, we wanted to keep our uh, functional movement skill. Um, and then we would run some sprints at the end, but not anything too heavy. Yeah. The, the winter is for maintaining your quickness. It's for keeping your agility up and it's for getting your conditioning base, but it's not necessarily about building speed. Okay. And for guys who are trying to put mass on too, it's about making sure that they okay. can they can put mass on. So the the running is is in a way that you're not going to burn too many cows running. And then the final phase is um, getting ready to transition into on field spring football drills. Yep. Um, the off season in the winter is probably the most miserable part of the year. Really? Yes, because it is 
very strenuous. It is a mental challenge. And a lot of times it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel because you don't get to play football. All you get to do is lift weights. Um, You know, a lot of guys be like, man, I ain't come here to lift weights all day. I came here to ball. Yeah. You're sitting there like, man, when does this end? Um, But for me, I would, I would say that those were typically the most rewarding parts of the year. Um, And as you well know, uh, my, my body was not a college football body when I entered Ohio state, but uh, mm-hmm. through the winter conditioning programs, I was able to put on a ton of mass. I was able to build a lot of strength. I was able to, um, you know, evolve myself into what a, uh, a major college football linebacker was supposed to look like. And I think that's a part of the process too, is building minds as well as bodies where uh, you build your confidence and you become mentally tougher, but also building a team uh, because you have to, you have to, have a, a level of togetherness to be able to thrive within the offseason because it's miserable. Otherwise, like I said, there are a few programs in the country that do anything better than Ohio State, but I don't know if there is yeah. a program that does the winter training program better than Mickey Marathi. I was just, see, you, we, this is how much we are on the yes, same Yes, we are. <laughs> because my next question was literally like, how important is it? For you to have a strength coach like Mickey. Yeah, it, it, and there. It's I didn't paramount. even have to ask the question. No, you already knew where it was going. You already knew. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it's it's go go on. It's it's of the utmost importance. I think that um I think that the the strength coach is the the major component for most of the year. Obviously on the field during mm-hmm. the football season, the head coach and the assistant coaches are getting a lot of the pub, but in the off season, those cats are on the road recruiting. Um, you know, they're they're taking you know, a couple of, yeah. you know, days off and spending time with family because they can't do that during the season. Well, strength coach, they don't get the day off. They're they're in the building at four in the morning and they don't leave until everybody's gone. And they're prescribing the workouts. They're understanding the player. I mean, these guys have to know every player on the team and they have to know what yeah. makes them tick. They have to know what motivates them. They have to know what injuries these guys might have, what, what uh, uh, functional movement, deficiencies they might have, where they might be stiff, um, all these kinds of things. And Mickey Marathi has been one of the guys on the forefront of coming up with these strength and conditioning programs, but also uh, on the forefront of leading a team when the head coach is gone. And the, the biggest testimony to the job that he's done is anytime a football coach uh, leaves Ohio state and they take a job somewhere, they always take one of Mickey's assistants. You know, they they might try to take a GA or an mm-hmm. intern quality control coach, whatever it is, but every one of them, except I believe Tom Herman, <laughs> um, <laughs> takes a strength coach. Chris yeah. Ash did it. He took Kenny Parker, who Kenny Parker is now back at Ohio State um, because he's that well-respected by Mickey Marathi. Yeah. Jeff Halfley left. He took um, Phil Matus, who I have a ton of respect for, you know, he's, and I'll tell you, these are guys that you get to know to the point where um, Phil Matus invited me to his wedding because I spent that much time around him while he was coaching me at Ohio State. That's cool. But yeah, Jeff Halfley snagged him. Like I said earlier, Luke Fickle took Brady Collins uh, from Ohio State down to Cincinnati with him. Like that, these guys in the weight room are the most important guys. And anybody that's a disciple of Mickey Marathi is going to be a hot commodity for anybody who's leaving the Ohio State coaching tree because they know how to do the offseason better than anybody else. 
and and that's why we wanted to talk about this because I think sometimes we 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 give so much credit and and you know it is deserved to these head coaches and and their assistants but you have to look at what goes on in the off season because this is because college football is pretty much year round now when it comes to developing these athletes that is a huge part of it and i'm glad that we were able to kind of get into some of the details of how important it is to have a guy like mickey um you know running your strength program and there's other programs out there that i'm sure do a great job as well but because we both and you lived it and i saw what you know mickey was able to do with transforming some of these athletes and just keeping their head in the game in the off season because you said that is the most difficult time uh really really says a lot well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. We got into some good stuff. See, I, I'm loving this off-season almost because we're touching on things that aren't being touched on by other people, right? Yes. And that's what makes our podcast so unique, you guys. Press Pass is a college football podcast. We'll always maybe touch on some things here and there um, in the NFL and in and collaborate it with what we have going on in college. But I think the main thing is we have Joshua, who's a former Ohio State um, football player. He played in the pros. He's very, very intelligent. And then you have me, who's covered uh, sports and college football over, You've done over a, the country. A hell of a job covering <laughs> college football. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so when you have our two minds collide, not to brag or anything, but kind of bragging, um, you're going to get at podcasts like this where you're going to get information you're not going to get on other platforms. So really, that just brings me to the point that you should subscribe to press pass. And it's super easy. You guys just go on to iTunes, click the subscribe button, and then give us a five star rate. If you really feel like uh, you want to, which you should, and then a review if you want. And guess what, Joshua, I actually saw, um, we got a couple stars, uh, five stars the other day. Yeah. It's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Absolutely. I know. Um, you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow our full Instagram account, uh, at Press Pass Pod. And then Joshua, you tell all the, the lovely people out there where they can go to follow you. Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J-E-P. R-I-P underscore. J-E-P is a handle. Um, my my mentions are open. You know, if you got anything you want to yeah. talk about, holler at your boy. <laughs> and you know what I'm thinking of? I think we might do this, Joshua. This is me thinking on, I just like, just splurt out like ideas sometimes. I think we, at the end of our podcast, should always do just one little segment, and it'll be like Joshua's viewer question of the week. Oh, yeah. And Yeah, right? And so, and you can even pretty, like, we'll ask the people, too. Like, you can tweet out, like, what's your question for me for this week or whatever, and Love we'll it. answer it. What do you Love think? I, I think that is amazing. Okay. Look at innovative, on-the-spot thinking. That's press pass for you guys. Uh, well, you guys have an awesome week. Uh, hope you're getting through these winter months. Hope, hoping we're making it a little easier. See you guys later.